So we're rolling. Cool. We are live. This is You're Doing It Wrong with Mark Henderson Leary. And my name is Mark. And I have a passion that you should feel in control of your life. And so what I do is I help you get control of your business. And one of the ways I let you or help you do that is by letting you listen in on a conversation between somebody, between me and somebody else who has a passion about something in the entrepreneurial world, this time digging into the details about something you might already know something about. But we're in the weeds or in the realness of it. So maybe you'll unlock where you're stuck and get access to that best business and ultimately that best life. So today I'm really privileged to be here with my good friend Ali Nasser and we're going to we're going to mess you up to because we're going to this is going to be different. We already had we're all going to we're going to start off this podcast but before talking about his best-selling book we're going to meditate together. So, Ali, turn it over to you. Mark, Mark, great to be here. And I love your, <laughs> I love your style and your impromptu. We were, for those that are listening in, we were about to take a one-minute meditation before we did the, the recording just to get, you know, synced and centered. And Mark was like, nope, you know what? We're starting a podcast and we're going to do this in the podcast and see what happens. And I love that. You um, need to be there with us. If we're yeah. going to be meditated and you're going to be, you need to be there with us. So you're going to meditate with us. We're going to talk about finance. And let me tell you, that is a call to meditation. So <laughs> it's it, indeed, indeed. And um, so we're going to take 60 seconds. I'm going to uh, have a starting bell and an ending bell. And what I want you to do is I want you to think right now that this next 60 seconds, rather than texting someone or reading something, take 60 seconds for you. And take 60 seconds to just bring some internal quiet to your life uh, and give, give, you, give yourself that 60 seconds. Here we go. Felt like a minutes and minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it calmed everything down. So now I'm centered. I'm ready to have a good, open, flowing conversation. Wonderful. So what's on your mind, my friend? Peace of, peace of mind. And just being in a place where all the things that are going on in life, all the noise... Everything in business, everything with family, everything can just be at peace. Feeling like I have a lot of peace of mind right now. How about you? 
the entrepreneurial life. Uh, I mean, it, it, I mean, yeah, me too. But it, this is the moment of clarity and contrast. Why do I do this podcast? Because the life of the entrepreneur is not always that peaceful. It's turbulent and it's confusing and there's ambiguity and we get busy and we get going and we get frantic. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what we do works and a lot of what we do doesn't work. And my hope is that when people listen to the conversations I have is they get a little bit of clarity of how they can level up one level of peace and control in their business life because most of the content is business here but there's no question that for entrepreneurs the content is business the goal is a happy life of contribution and meaning yeah, and so, so one one of the cha- one one of the challenges that entrepreneurs like myself deal with is getting out of our own way. We trust ourselves to want the best thing for ourselves and for others, um, and, and we have confidence in ourselves to to do that, to take risks, to spend money, to spend other people's money, to other to put other people's livelihoods at risk, our family's livelihoods at risk, because we believe in our heart that what we're doing matters and is good. But what we also know is that not everything we do works. <laughs> and, that, and and that we don't always know tactically what the right thing is. And so sometimes we try a lot of things really fast to see if we can figure out which ones work and which ones don't. And then, and if a bunch of things don't work in a row, we just get going faster and faster because we got to find a thing that will work because we do have confidence in the outcome, but we do see that what we're doing right now is not working and we are losing money or losing profit and morale is going down and the market is doing different things and, and we are not accumulating wealth or we are accumulating wealth. And so my hope is that we can give clues and tips to people to just take one less uh, let's behavior that's not working out of the way and give people uh, a little more traction. Yeah. Help them get a clear path. So you, you're, you're have a couple of contributions to this conversation. One is the, the life of the entrepreneur. And the other is somebody who has developed a system that you believe helps do that for people in terms of, well, what is, what, what is it? Is it you're, you're the financial system wise? What is the what is the outcome of the system? Happy life, wealth, organized. Is it is it is it taking a part of people entrepreneurial life that that entrepreneurs don't normally do yeah. well? What's what's the outcome? What's the end yeah, game here? Yeah, the outcome is one: take control of the mental chatter. We have so much mental chatter that occupies our mind. Take control of it. Clarify what you really want out of life. Get really really clear, and then get that that peace of mind, that life experience, that ideal future that you really want and bring it together. That's what, that's what WISE does. It creates clarity, it creates alignment, it creates peace of mind, um, gives you a path forward. Because most entrepreneurs do not have a plan to capture their life's work. They need a system to help them gain clarity on all those pieces, it's too complicated. So capture their life's work. So the, to me, I wanna, I wanna have some clarity of the relationship between money and impact, maybe purpose, maybe purpose, maybe. Let's hold on with that. I wanted to define what that is because mm-hmm. this is a money conversation, tactically. But that's tactically. But so what's the relationship? Yeah, the, 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 what's the rela- money and happiness? What is it? How do the two okay. fit together? 
So the first thing is, is, is money is the surface level tactical thought of what this is about. It's actually about philosophically much more than that. Because I will tell you, wealth is a means, not an end. And if you're an entrepreneur that thinks that wealth is the end, I promise you when you reach that end and you get to a hundred million or a billion dollars, you're not going to be fulfilled. And you're going to feel as though something's missing because wealth is not, wealth is not an end. It's a means. So So, just to pause on that concept. So what if, well, how do I ask this question? You said, you know, a hundred million billion. Some people are thinking, God, two million. Two million. One million. Two million. 600,000. God, you know, God, if I could, if I could just get the debt gone, like, or and how many entrepreneurs right now are like, I'm worth negative fifty million right now because of all of the the debt instruments that are in play right now. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't matter what you you need enough wealth to be able to live a reasonable lifestyle, and and the the data and the studies that have analyzed the relationship between money and happiness say that once you make about seventy five thousand dollars a year. And you can provide, in an American making $75,000 a year, you can provide a good life for yourself. At that point, you're able to achieve the highest level of happiness from a standpoint of the monetary impact to that. So whether, you're worth, whether you make $70,000 a year or $700,000 a year does not impact your ability to be happy. Now, if you make $20,000 a year, you might because you may not have enough means to provide for your, your, your lifestyle. But once you hit about $75,000 a year, it's not a happiness game anymore. And we turn it into a happiness game because we get excited about success and we get excited about hitting the next goal. But the reason it's never fulfilled is we're only happy temporarily because then we move the move the goalpost again because we're trying to fill our cup with money and money being the, the goal when really it, it has to go beyond that. So, uh, so I, 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 that study has been referenced a lot and I got to cut a pause on that because I think the number has moved over time. And I and when my understanding of that data is not that it stops, that it, but it diminishes greatly. So like if you know for every thousand or five thousand dollars a year you make up to seventy five or so, it's really really dramatically impactful. And then when you get to a certain point, well, it drops off. It doesn't go away. It drops off very very quickly. Yeah. Because my number was way higher than seventy five. Like I was I was achieving a lot more life satisfaction well past seventy five thousand. And then there was then I then I did feel a drop off that. That like well okay now I'm money is a more of a game yeah. as opposed to a survival uh, <laughs> endeavor when money is no longer a game of survival it's a ga- ga- game of thriving and making good choices the, the game dramatically changes yeah and I think look when you anytime you talk about average statistics and the average population we're going to have a variant right you're not the yeah. average and I, person. I, I just point that out because there might be somebody listening to this think well I'm still I'm making 110 and I'm still freaking out I need you know yeah. 150 yeah. and so if you're still feeling like money is a game of survival to cover your divorce your kids in college your whatever because that's a real thing right if you got three kids in, in private school your your 150 to 200 thousand dollar income feels a lot like 75 or less <laughs> yeah I, I I think that that's that's yeah definitely relative that study is probably 20 years old if you adjust for mm-hmm. inflation it's probably closer to 150 if you adjust for your lifestyle desires and private schools and this it could be higher the the key moral of the story goes back to once you have enough to provide for the the needs that you want in your lifestyle yeah, yeah, right. it's not a, there's not a high correlation between more money more happiness and I can tell you from personal experience if we talk about really successful entrepreneurs and let me just take a, a baseline number of like $10 million of total net worth, including their company. Really successful entrepreneur. That $10 million or $100 million or $500 million or a billion, 
there's not a large correlation between the more money, more happiness. Yeah, sure. Maybe even more lifestyle, but but not necessarily. Happiness comes from other things, and and money contributes towards those those things, but it's not directly from money. So is I don't know if this is going to throw you off here, but in life, myself and watching other people, many people get to a point, and myself included, where the majority of the childhood life expectations are done, checked off. Got to be married, get a house, have kids. Mm -hmm. And that creates kind of this crisis of purpose, crisis of goals uh, of like, well, shoot, I guess I better have a plan for the next phase of my life. And and what people don't realize oftentimes is they're going to reboot maybe two or three more times. And and I've certainly compared myself to those people who seemed to have like a plan for their entire life from the time they were born. As it turns out, in my experience, this, these people are very rare. <laughs> Most people have to sort of reinvent themselves a couple. Hey, I kind of ran that leg of the race and, 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 I, and I, some of it I liked, some of it I didn't. Now I need a new plan for the next part of my life. And there's not like a cue to people to say like, it's normal to have to replan this and, and get a sense of like, what do you really want? And it seems like a, a lot of people get stuck trying to figure out what's this next leg all about what is really valuable and a lot of people start borrowing other people's goals you know that person's got a jet you know i guess i'll take a i want a jet too i want a ranch too and you know i need a beach house and a mountain house and and it's uh, do you do you what what really matters to you so what do you what's your experience with yourself and other people who kind of get into that spot of like hey man i'm making money i'm doing my thing or i got a plan and you kind of sense like hey i don't think you know what you're about what do you do with that? Uh, it's a great question. The first thing is, is, is you got to slow down. Got to meditate. Yeah, that helps. It's actually true. I'm that making helps. a joke out of that. Yeah. But that is a big part of it. It, it, it is. My, mindfulness, I mean, it's kind of taken over the world the past few years and everyone's been talking about it. I remember meditating when people are like, what's meditating? Now it's like, you know, everyone in their, in their mom has a meditation app. Um, mindfulness is, is being present. Right, uh, I think Eckhart Tolle, awesome line he put in his book, The Power of Now, he said that most of us spend the majority of our lives in anxiety or anticipation of the future or in regret or remorse of the past. And we miss out on the present moment, which is where we're actually able to enjoy where we are. I'm here with Mark. I'm having a conversation with Mark. Or I'm listening to this podcast and that's where I am. That's where I'm connected to. And the greatest amount of happiness in life comes from the present moment. And many times as entrepreneurs, we get obsessed about our future goal, our next big thing, our next accomplishment, or what went wrong and what we regret and what we wish we did differently, that we're constantly missing out on the most important part of life, which is being present, actually enjoying where you are. And if you're wondering, what does, what does that look like? What does that feel like? The example I give people is think about, a, think about a toddler. If you watch a toddler playing with their toys... They're not thinking about what's for dinner. They're not thinking about what happened yesterday. They're just playing with their toy, enjoying the moment. And how many times as an entrepreneur are we sitting somewhere doing something, hanging out, but our brain and our mind is totally in another place and we're not actually present? Our spouses will tell us that that's all the time. (laughs) You know, our, our friends or employees might tell us that's all the time. We may not acknowledge it, but a lot of times we're just, we're in another place. And um, there's, a, there's a variety of reasons that comes about and even further exacerbated for entrepreneurs because we have a greater challenge because a lot of times we're constantly on the treadmill thinking about the next thing. Otherwise, you know, either grow or be disrupted. So there is a lot of challenges that entrepreneurs face. But to go back to your question, it starts with slowing down 
and, and, and taking a pause to think about what's really important to you in life. And, and I'm going to fast forward here for many, many, many years of thinking. I'm not the first person to do this. Society has done this for thousands of years. The things that bring happiness in life from all the societal research that's been done are things like your spirituality, like your, your, your soul connection, whether you're religious or you're spiritual or you're grounded or you're a meditator. That's one thing that creates happiness. The next is family. Um, no explanation there needed. The next is friendships. You know, Harvard did a study on uh, an 80-year study. It was a TED Talk, one of my favorite TED Talks. I talk about it all the time, on human happiness. And after they did an 80-year study with incredible data behind it, they said the single greatest contributor to life happiness is meaningful relationships with people you can count on, right? And the fourth thing mm -hmm. is actually having work, work that you're doing and you're contributing to the world where you're helping others, work where you're in service towards other people. So this, the spirituality, the friendships, the relationships, I'm going to put that as one, and this, um, and family goes in there too. And meaningful contribution of work where you're helping others, those are the things in life that create happiness. And, and, and they're human, they're alive, they're, they're not mechanical. Jets, houses, vacation homes in Aspen, you know, $1,000 dinners, those are not gonna fill your cup. They're fun, they're exciting, they might be enjoyable, but if you're looking for internal happiness, you've gotta detach yourself further from the material things and the material goals and, and look really within to say, kind of like that old saying, the best things in life are free. Uh, it, it makes a huge difference. And it's, it's philosophical, but I, I tell you, so many entrepreneurs that I see on the front end talking about how they grew their revenue and their business and I'm a $100 million company now or a billion dollar company. I have those conversations one-on-one -on -one with them after the fact. And believe me, the majority of them behind closed doors are saying, man, I'm, I'm not feeling fulfilled. Something's missing. I'm, I, 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 there's a part of life I want that I don't have, and I, I, I want that happiness back, or I want to gain that happiness again, or I want those relationships. It's a big deal, and it's not talked about because it's not sexy front stage stuff. And you go to a conference, and everyone wants to hear about how'd you, how'd you build your five hundred million dollar company? You know, how'd you start a company in COVID and grow it to eight hundred employees in six months? And that's what, what people want to hear about. So I think that that. That, that question of happiness is, is a big one. So there's a couple of things that are working against each other to the, for the entrepreneur. One is, uh, you said presence. Uh, let's start mm. there. Well, the, one, of the, one of the things, the, the contradiction we talked about, if, if, if we want to enable our lives, resources are how we do that. The most universal resource to, to enable movement and capacity and resource reallocation is money what's the most important tool in creating and retaining money planning and time and, and the things that go with that could draw our attention out of the moment. Mm -hmm. So it, we, how much money do we need to have? What will our life be like when we get there? This is fundamentally not presence. So there's, and then that, okay, so fine. We're going to switch in context, switch between the future and the present. And we're going to work on the tactics. We're going to do some things that are going to help create some, some money. We're going to make a business is profitable. And then we're going to get, we're going to get so good at it and we do it for so long that we kind of 
forget there's something else to do other than execute on the tactics of making money. And if we're really good at making money, we show up and like, bam, 100 million bucks. Look at me. What was I doing again? In the moment, what was I trying to get? Oh, I want to hang out with my friends. Oh, my friends from high school. Oh, my friends from high school live in a different state now. Oh, all I hang out with now are man- people who manufacture and do that. Like, okay, now how do I reclaim hanging out with my buddies working on the car? Yep. Because that was 20 years ago, two different states, and, 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 it's, and that's a very different thing. And I, and I guess I'm kind of being transparent. Maybe, maybe I'm not being transparent, but I mean to be. That when I look at my life now and I look at the gaps, I, I often find myself comparing to times in my life where I was 100% present. No thought, no concern of... Um, everything was seamless and flowing and did not seem to require a great deal of intentionality. Hey, guys, want to go work on the car? Want to go, go check out car stereos? Want to go jam? Like, yeah. And it was, that was it. And it was just bliss it was in, so awesome. many, in so many ways. Yeah. It was, it was awesome, right? Life was unpredictable. Opportunity was there. You were free. You could go do something. If you wanted to leave town next week, oh, you know, yeah, let's book a flight. Let's go. Sometimes I could leave town that evening, right? That sense of freedom and yeah. opportunity at the same time. Get in the time. car and drive. Where are we going? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Got any money? No. <laughs> We're going to find somebody who will let us eat, eat at their house. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you add a layer and you get a house. And then you add a layer and you get married. And then you add a layer and you get kids. And then you add a layer and you start coaching softball. And then you add a layer and you add a layer. And all of a sudden, life has all these things. And that freedom and opportunity and sense of uh, change and possibility start to disappear. And all these things that were nice things, I wanted that really nice house, I wanted that really nice car, they all become layers. Let me share a story with you, Mark. A business owner I was helping years ago, his name was Alex. And Alex um, had built an incredible company. Is Alex really his real name? No, Alex is, is, his, Alex is his uh, book name, his fake name. Because if I, you know, I gave okay, his real right, name cool. away, that would be, that would be bad. <laughs> But I tell stories about him all the time. He doesn't seem to have a problem with me telling the story, but it, his name's Alex. Okay. So Alex, um, we're, we're having a conversation. He comes in the office one day and he goes, Ali, I want to sell my company. Okay. You want to sell your company? What's, what's going on? I mean, he 30 years building this company. Um, business had you know high revenues, did three, $4 million of profitability each year. Great company. He loved it. Always talked about it. That was his world. T- classic, classic owner, founder, entrepreneur. And Alex says to me, I'm, I'm, I want to get out. I want to sell the company. Okay, what's going on? Why, why do you want to sell? He goes, man, I'm just, I am burned out. So do you want to sell your company or you want to sell what's burning you out? He says, what's the difference? I'm, I'm burned out. I can't do this anymore. I said, all right, well, let's, let's talk through. Let's talk through what's burning you out. And we started on the whiteboard and I said, tell me, tell me the main things. What are you doing day to day in your business that's burning you out? And we made a list of, Call it 20 things on the whiteboard. And I handed him a marker and I said, put a line through anything on this list that technically is not like your passion. Like put a line through anything on this list that isn't like what you wake up in the morning excited to do. And of course, you know where the story is going. There's four or five things that are left on the board and the rest of them that cross get crossed out. And I said, what you just did is you just created a job description for a role that looks like all these things that we just crossed out. And he goes, Holly, but I'm the president of the company. I'm the president of the company. Like, those are the things the president does. I said, have you ever heard of a CEO before? 
a chairman? Um, have you ever thought about you can own Exxon stock, but you don't have to work there? Yeah, and I use that one a lot. It's like, I own Google stock and they never call me and ask for help. Yeah. And that's why I bought it. There, there you go. <laughs> so, so Alex, what, what happened in this moment is a paradigm shift. And there's really, there's a few nuggets here, a couple in particular that really can be impactful for business owners is that Alex couldn't see his present normal, his new normal, because he started the company 30 years ago. So he's like, I can't even fathom the idea of hiring a president to run my company. I can't even, I can't even fathom that, but it makes perfect sense what you're saying here. And knowing Alex's wealth position personally, knowing how much cash flow he had, capital, personal resources out of the company, knowing what his spouse wanted, knowing what his family legacy was, we were able to have a very constructive conversation around what you're telling me, Alex, isn't that you want to sell your company. It's that you want to sell your job at the company and you want a new job. And your new job, you only want to do these four or five things. And you have the wealth and the resources to do it. I mean, heck, you did $3 million of earnings last year. Even if you hired a president for 10% of that total compensation, you, you'd have $2.7 million of profit still. And they'd, if they're good at their job, they're probably going to grow the business. But the thing was, psychologically, Alex could only see his situation the way that he started it, which is, I've got to grind, I've got to push, I've got to be the one, and I've done that for 30 years. So it, what, what happened in this conversation is we had a deep discussion about time and money. And the example I often give is, is just Jeff Bezos one, which he's since retired, but or not retired, but stepped down as CEO, so it's, it's a little less relevant. But... I could have as much money as Jeff Bezos, but if I'm working 70 hours a week, I don't have the ability to enjoy that. Literally the relationship between time and you can have unlimited resources for money. If you don't have the time to enjoy those resources, you can't enjoy them. But the trouble with most entrepreneurs is they've built subconscious habits for 20 or 30 years of how they work, how often they work, how they think. They wake up thinking about business. They go to bed thinking about business. They work all day. And they've told themselves and they've sold themselves a lie that I love what I do. This is what I was meant to do. I enjoy it. The reality is, is you got addicted. You got addicted. You built subconscious habits. You had to do it for years because your business would have failed otherwise. You're in a new position now, and you actually could change your life experience tremendously if you repositioned your wealth and your money to give you not just the return on investment that you're looking for, but the return on life experience, the time allocation that you're looking for. And most entrepreneurs are not intentional to think about the relationship between money and time. Not at all. For a lot of reasons. Uh, There's a lot of reasons people end up as entrepreneurs. Gino talks about this. (laughs) You know, like a lot of, a lot of times, a lot of downturns create a lot of entrepreneurs. It's like, well, I got nothing else to do. I guess I'll start a business. And so, uh, so opportunisticness creates weird combinations. But also, if you have a passion for an outcome and you're willing to sacrifice for the outcome, you start off sacrificing. And and you're sacrificing with an end in mind. But to your point, I think there's a poor model a lot of times for sacrificial entrepreneurs. We don't show enough people on flipping the switch from sacrifice for an outcome as opposed to sacrifice is my identity. Mm. Like, no, no, the, the sacrifice has a higher purpose. You got to bring the higher purpose back into play. You are the owner, not just the the worker. You sacrifice for a reason and you have power. 
and and you should use that power for good, especially for good for you. You, the person who sacrificed the most for this organization, yes. who deserves yes. reward for such sacrifice. Yes, a hundred percent. Mike McAllowitz talks about this. Who's your best employee? And in any asking, oh that guy. No, who's the last person out? Who would who was going to sacrifice for you? Who's the one who's going to take the call twenty four hours? It's you. Pay that guy <laughs> and give that guy's family some reward because they sacrifice right along with that guy. Honor that guy. And it's in a lot of entrepreneurs. You think entrepreneurs are egomaniacs or narcissists, and there are some, but the majority of the ones I work with are not. They are givers to the point of caretaking, and they will yeah. give away weigh all of their goods and their most valuable resources thinking it's going to pay off someday but they don't check the math and figure out when someday is and figure out who needs to be paid back what well said mark well said and and it's it's um you you talked about you know what do you really want and what was that initial dream or sacrifice for and two things come to mind here so the first one is when we start a business why did you start the company in the first place and for most entrepreneurs, it's I wanted to create something of my own. I wanted independence. I wanted freedom. I wanted to make more money and have the ability to live a different lifestyle, right? As you said, Mark, you made sacrifices to get there. Now you've arrived. You might not realize you've arrived. The huge reason I wrote this book is to help people realize if they've arrived or not and, and how to pull the pieces together. Yeah. Yeah. If you've arrived, whether you have or haven't, doesn't really matter, but if you are there, we'll call it that. If you've arrived, what are you doing to now benefit from the fruits of your labor to allow that freedom, that independence, that joy that you were seeking to manifest further in your lifestyle? Because sometimes you got to make sacrifices and work 60, 70 hours a week to build something. But you get there, you've got to take an equal amount of effort to train your muscle to not wake up and go, I've got to work that hard or that way or that style again. And how do I create the life experience I want? And the first thing you've got to do as an entrepreneur is define the life experience that you want. Well, so I love it. A, whole, a, yeah. a, a, a light bulb went off for me. Cool. Maybe, it's, hopefully, it's helpful <laughs> and not crazy. So you mentioned uh, in our conversations, and I think in this recording, um, Michael Gerber, email. Yeah. And he talks about the thing that he, the phenomenon he calls the entrepreneurial seizure. And that's the moment somebody says, I not only can do this craft, I can, I can plumb, I can break bread, I can run a restaurant, I can, I can, I'm a lawyer, I can have a firm, I can have a big shop, I can do it better than my idiot boss. And bam, you're in there. And the first thing that happens is you, you, you may not cognate exactly what's happened, but you're going to feel off. And what you feel off about is that a hundred, like 99% of the skills that you're great at are no longer the skills you need. And 99% of the skills you need are ones you've never really figured out. Management, communication, logistics, you know, accounting, uh, you know, mm-hmm. getting, I remember when I first started my first business uh, by myself, cause I started one with others and I didn't realize how much they had done to be honest the, the, the guy who kind of got the infrastructure in place. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna start a business. All right, I got to get the phone line. Okay, sir. Give me your tax ID. Oh, the what? Okay. Oh, I got to get a tax ID. How long is that going to take? Oh, well, to get a tax ID, you got to get your form, your entity form. Okay. Oh, shoot. How am I going to do that? So it's yeah. weeks of waiting. Like I, I can't get to step one because I've, I'm lost trying to find my way to step one. And so um, the, the all of that was a, a rude awakening. And all that to say that, so okay, say you'll figure out how to be an entrepreneur and you get it figured out. You've got another ceiling coming. Yep. You're about to have more power. You're about to have the power you thought you had, wanted to have. And now you've got it in the form of wealth. 
money, resources. Mm -hmm. Now you got to learn how to do that. And you probably aren't aware of that until you're in it. Yes. Yes. And, and you don't know how to use that muscle. Right. Entrepreneurs are really good at getting wealthy. They're not really good at staying wealthy or allocating right. resources right. that way. I mean, it's, it's right. one and, of, and, and it's a black art for a lot of people, right? And a lot of people die broke for that reason. And, you, and you're here to say, dude, there's a way. <laughs> you don't have to make this up. It may not be – we and I have had this conversation. Like some of the words are not exactly – intriguing and, and pull me in tax strategy, lifetime tax strategy. That's the one I keep picking on, but that's really important as it turns out. Yeah. And, and there's a science and you can and should be responsible with your power to manage the resources to make that ultimate purpose real, your family, your life, your legacy, and, and all the things that go with that. So, so talk to that. So what are the concepts that, that, that are likely to surprise somebody like me who are like, okay, cool, I finally making the money I want. Now, how do I make the right impact, the emotional, the purposeful impacts with these resources with tools that I probably haven't really exercised until now? Yeah, I mean, it, there's a suite of them. And, I, and I'll start with what's typically going on in the entrepreneur's mind when it comes to planning their life's work, whether they realize it or not, right? And, and uh, it's the, the first, the, the reason the book's called The Business Owner's Dilemma is that it introduces these first dilemmas. So the initial one is a, a reinvestment dilemma. What do I, I've made money in my company, I've been profitable, I've been successful, where do I reinvest capital? Do I put it back in the business? Do I buy crypto? Do I start another company? Do I invest in the market, and bonds and cash? What's my reinvestment strategy? That in and of itself occupies a lot of real estate for an entrepreneur. Um, the second dilemma is the legacy dilemma. You just asked him, what is it all for? Is this for my, my children, for charity, for my ego, for fun? Um, is my wealth going to empower my kids or entitle my kids? Right? A deeper question. Like, what, it, what is the life that I'm getting from all of this? And then there's the exit dilemma. Do I sell the company? Do I grow it? Do I leave it to executive management team or a son or daughter? Um, what's my best exit strategy? Right? How do I maximize value? So these three surface dilemmas um, are what entrepreneurs oftentimes are thinking about with planning. And then there's another thought that's coming to them, which comes and goes, but is tougher to talk about, which is, am I actually enjoying all this? Am I creating the life, the lifestyle that, that I really want? Because I feel like I'm not enjoying the success that I've earned. I feel like I've busted my butt for years and I've built up this company, but now I'm almost like a slave to it as opposed to being the driver of it. I feel like it's my liability that takes me away from sometimes what I want to do versus me having the freedom of time to pursue and do what it is that I want to do. So there's a big relationship between money and time. We talked about it a few minutes ago, right? If you've got a lot of time um, to enjoy the money, it's great. If you don't have any time to enjoy the money, the money really, the benefits can't always be used. So how do you position your personal wealth, your business wealth in a way that serves your end goal? And that starts with defining what your end goal is. What is important to you about money? What is important to you about how you spend your time? Do you even have a goal of what you want your time to look like? And let me give an example of what that is. I'll give you mine. I tell this to everyone in every speech that I do. 
My target goal for my time is 25 hours a week, 35 weeks a year. In my ideal world, I want to work 25 hours a week, 35 weeks a year. I might work more than that if I want to. I might want that freedom that you talked about a few minutes ago, like when you were young, hey, let's go work on the car, let's go for a trip. But like ideally, I want it to be 25 hours a week, 35 weeks a year. I know the things that really matter to me in life, right? The, the, the connectivity, the relationships with family and friends, um, uh, having that, that sense of presence. Um, I, I, I know what's important to me. How can I position my wealth, my business, so that I can live the life experience that I desire? That's a big undertaking. You can, have, you can set the goal, which is the first step in figuring out what your vision is, but then to work through all the details of how this happens, you need a system. For your business to operate independent of you or, or you as an accelerator, EOS is a great system for that. For your personal wealth to operate and give you the life experience you desire, WISE, or the Wealth Integration System for Entrepreneurs, is a system for that. So if someone's looking at this going, I want a pathway, a proven way to get what I want out of my wealth, WISE is that, is that system. The same way that EOS is to get what you want out of your business. So... It's so I just want to kind of highlight yeah. that. So in, in our life as entrepreneurs and, and a human being, there's things we just need to know. There's things we just we need to believe. And then there's things that we need to be in control of. I just sort of made that up as I went along. But, and what I mean that by that is some things are simple. Like, you know, I like eating fish. I don't like eating fish. Like, I don't need a system for that. I just know my preferences. Uh, I try to eat healthy. I try to exercise. I mean, maybe I need a system for that if it's complicated. But then in the end, there are things that are important enough to have control over, like your business. Uh, and, and having a system to run your business uh, is important. That's why EOS is a thing. The, the, I think the reality is that managing your financial future and your financial present is important and complex enough that it needs a system. And I don't think that there's that many systems out there for that. I think it's a lot of philosophy and a lot of tactics and a lot of changing behaviors and, and sort of flavor of the month. And so the idea that there is a way that you could routinize and create predictable outcomes so you don't have to think about this, putting the process around something that's really important uh, is essential and kind of shocking that there isn't much more until now that to, to do that. Mm -hmm. So th that's why this is such a, an important thing. And, and every part of your life that's complex, that needs predictable outcomes, needs a system. And so if you and if you so if there's any other part of the entrepreneurial life that's sort of complex and doesn't have a system, that's a business opportunity. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and historically, the whole financial industry, tax, legal, financial banking. It's all been product driven. Yeah, I, that's, I, true. I, that's true. That's that's, wor that's that's worth double double down. I mean, how many? It's commission driven selling insurance yeah. products, right? So that's Look, not systemic. That's that's and a it's, very and it's it's the same thing. When you say insurance product, it's the same thing on the investment side. It's the same thing on the legal side. Yeah. It's the same thing. I mean, look, lawyers at the end of the day, most of the time are come in. What document can I draft for you? Yeah. CPAs, what return can I file? Uh, financial advisors, what money can I manage? Those things are all important. Don't get me wrong. But that's not strategic guidance on your life's work. That's not helping you plan more intentionally about your whole picture. And entrepreneurs work with all these professionals, all in different silos. There's no integration. The, be, the biggest outcomes, clarity, alignment, peace of mind, aren't there. But then they have a bunch of stuff that's been set up. 
So you need a system to bring that together and you need a way to make sure that your vision and what it is you truly want is the driver of that system and that your entire team knows what it is you want and is working in the same direction. So the, 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 the brokenness of the system, if you will, for the years has come from everything being product driven. Really now it needs to be vision driven and process driven. So I hope I can get this question makes sense. Who drives the system? Does, is this something you say, I need a wealth advisor who runs that system and I'll be good? Or no, no, the entrepreneur has to drive the system because this is their way of thinking about it. Or is it some combination? Or am I thinking about it totally wrong? Great question. Great question. So the, the, the way I've used this system for 15 years now um, at, at AltruVista, which is the firm that incubated the system, which is now um, both IP as well as, as something we put in practice, it's been executed by having a guide, by having an advisor that can breathe a quarterback and bring all these pieces together and that can carry the business owner's vision, integrate things with their spouse, integrate things with their tax and legal team and bring all the pieces together, almost like a, like a family CFO or family life and wealth CFO um, to help that for the owner. Now, that's the pathway that we've done this for years. Now, going forward, I realize there's an audience of entrepreneurs, not all of them, that want to do, they want to drive it themselves. They don't want their vision to be driven by someone else uh, or hire that, that who or that, that resource. They're like, I really like this. I want to learn more about this. I want to do it myself. They're more of a do-it-yourself person. Well, great. I, I'll give you the framework that has worked for years. I put it all in a book. I'll give you a workshop program that can show you how to learn all of this yourself, execute and integrate all of this yourself. You might realize after doing it for a year or two that, you know what, I kind of want a resource to do this for me. I'll use the EOS example here. Like some people self-implement EOS and a couple years later, they're like, you know what, I want to I go hire Mark to help me with this because it's, it's more complicated than I thought. Mm -hmm. Others, okay. they do a great job of doing it themselves. So the way I've laid out everything in the book is here's everything. And if you want to know how the watch works, there's a workshop program to go through. And if you say, you know, I don't want to know what the, how the watch works. I want to know what time it is and I want someone to help me with that. Great. You can hire a guide. You can hire another firm. You could hire AltruVista to help you through executing that process for yourself. So the short answer is it's the vision is all driven by the business owner and their, 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 their spouse, their vision. But the execution can either be self-executed or executed with a guide. And that's a personal choice of the entrepreneur. Okay, that makes, that makes sense. Uh, it, it definitely is going to be more effective with a resource. But some entrepreneurs want to be that person. And that's totally fine. It can be done. Well, man, covering a lot. So what are we missing? What, are we, what if we actually, the time's flown by. And so um, what, what have we not covered that people need to know? I, I think it's, it's really the end outcome. What does it look like and feel like when it's all done? Because t talking about planning your life's wealth, life's work, um, it's not always the top thing on your mind. Building new stuff, creating a new company, that's the top thing a lot of times on a business mm -hmm. owner's mind. So planning isn't always the number one thing. So what motivates sometimes is to know what does it feel like when it's all done, okay? Well, having this all put together, all of a sudden you've got a very clear picture on what the most important priorities are that you and your spouse want from all the wealth that you've built. You have a roadmap that says, here are the priorities for our planning 
and your tax, your legal, your financial are all pulling in the same direction towards those goals. You have a proactive system that without you having to wake up and think about, oh, you know what, I really need to call this person and this person and figure out how we're gonna maximize value. There's already meetings laid out. There's already a system laid out. When there's a change in your business, there's a change in the marketplace, there's a change in the tax law, there's a change in your goals. There's a proactive system to capture those changes and then allow those changes to be transferred through your entire team and get executed. And the next time a decision comes along, like, hey, I just got $3 million of earnings distributed to me from the company. You're not saying, ooh, what am I gonna do with the money? There's a path, there's a plan. The next time there's a crazy tax liability, you're not getting surprised from it because you strategically planned in advance, not after the fact. So what ends up happening is, is you have a control system based on your vision that is humming and executing, maximizing value for you and accommodating for change, accommodating for new ideas. So all of a sudden, there's a massive change in the tax law. Guess what? All your stuff's already teed up to where you're ready to push the button based on what things change because you already have an infrastructure that's been created and it adapts over time. The value of that, the amount of decisions that simplifies for an entrepreneur, the amount of peace of mind it creates is incredible. And I've seen this because I've met the entrepreneur before they've gone through uh, the, the the system and, and wise. And I met the entrepreneur three, four years later as they're fully humming. And it is a world yeah. of difference. I've just, even people that have read the book, I've met people that have said, just starting this book, the amount of confusion I had over these topics before I started the book versus when I'm done, I have so much clarity over the journey. So I think what it feels like when it's done is really important. That would be the part that would add. Yeah, and that's the thing that I kind of crave. I've definitely been in that spot where I, I talked to my CPA. Hey, I'm going to make a small investment in this little startup. It's my little angel capital, and, and, and just want to let you know. And then she says, hey, I thought we were pursuing this cash liquidity strategy. This is the opposite of that. Yeah, I remember that conversation too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's too late. I already said I'm giving them the money, and so we're doing that. <laughs> so I can imagine what it must be like to have a plan and have that stuff figured out in advance. And how much how much you can help maximize the outcomes of that, you know, yeah, so sure. that it's efficient and you've got tax cash flow considerations, tax considerations, asset protection considerations around all that. So when you do it, you're doing it in the most effective way, and that makes a huge difference to your net over the long term. So before we we had this and I want to be respectful of time for everybody listening to this but um, you you challenged me a little bit when we were talking earlier about the book and and what parts of this the book were harder for me to read uh, uh, what what was your where were you going with that in terms of this the, the system and and what was what were we going to ask me uh, on which You're, part Maybe, maybe I'm just, uh... So you said, you know, it sounded like the book was a hard read for you. Uh, you haven't gotten to the, the system itself. Oh, and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were mentioning kind of like, gosh, you know, when I have to talk about lifetime tax strategy, that's a, that's a tougher part of the book. You know, the entrepreneurial journey might be more fun. What I wanted to know from you is when you read the book, what was the biggest takeaway that, that you got from the book? When you right, look right. back and say, if I said, hey, Mark, write a, write a quote on the book, what would that quote be? What was the impact to you? Uh, well, I, I, the essence was we're talking about the system is the realization it's complex, high stakes, and, and up until now, not my strong suit. And so to me, the value of the system is 
there's a way. And and when if I got to learn something new, and it, and it's if it's chaos and it's something I want to learn, that's the fun part. I'm going to make sense of nonsense. I'm going to and I'm going to. It's going to be really powerful because I'm interested in what it is to learn this particular craft, this art form, whatever it is about leadership or mountain biking or weight training, whatever it is. The chaos is kind of the the, the fun. I'm going to sort it out. But but not knowing how long the journey is like I've got to get good at something that is not intuitively appealing and really plays to not my superpowers right I'm, I'm, I'm a classic visionary it's, I mean getting really disciplined with financial strategy I've, I've got a lot of discipline financially over the decades but I didn't start there so like I've read Dave Ramsey and Mike McCallowitz and implemented those systems and it's and every time I implement one of those systems it puts me in control uh, at, for, uh, compared to where I was but to, to figure it out it's not my superpower to make sense of it I needed somebody to go before me to, to sort it out and say Mark don't don't invent this like well, I got away start at page one and go to page 100 and just follow the dang instructions and you're going to get what you want and when that happens it's like oh my god so so this appeals to me in that same way it's like oh Lots of moving concepts that are not in my superpower, and I see how they're powerful, and I see they're important. And so I can let go a little bit of having to be brilliant. I'm just going to follow the dang instructions and learn what I need to learn and get the outcomes that, I, that are much, much better than what I was getting before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love that you say that because the system is really – the education around all the components is valuable. But at the end of the day, what makes the biggest difference is – Execute the system, execute the process. Because you go through those steps, just going through it alone is going to create so much momentum. And at the end of the day, you're going to wake up and go, wow, you know what? I have, I have my ducks in a row and I've got a plan being executed and it's, it's, it's developing outcomes. Um, Without that system, a lot, a lot of things just don't get done. Awesome, man. So in the show notes, we're going to have links to the book, links to seminars and things, you know, whatever resources you want to add. Okay. What, um, well, two questions that we're going to wrap up with. First is your plea, your passionate plea to entrepreneurs right now. And then I want to kind of leave people with how to continue the conversation. So what's your passionate plea for entrepreneurs right now? You have spent your life building this company. Take planning your life's work seriously. Put priority towards capturing and planning your life's work. Building is great. Don't forget to plan for it because the repercussions of not planning can be huge uh, and end up eating away or removing or, or damaging all the effort that you've put in. So take, take that path and, and plan your life's work. Yeah, I love it. And can, as Gino, so passionate, Gino Wickman, those of you, most everybody listens to this knows Gino Wickman, of course, but, um, you know, you deserve it. You, de- you deserve to live your best life. You yeah. de- deserve to live your EOS life. And if you're hesitating to, to, to take a, a right turn or a left turn in, in, into doing something like this, and it's because you feel like you haven't earned it yet, uh, you have, you probably have. And if you take Mike McCallowitz's advice, he's, you earned it on day one. You should have been collecting profit when you, at the, in the very first day and build that into your thinking. And so if you've built the, a habit of 10 years, th- three years to 30 years or longer of not taking uh, what you deserve and not um, fulfilling the, the promise of the purpose, uh, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is today. Ah. Uh, take that first step, man. So, indeed, 
Awesome stuff, man. So, so grateful. I've really enjoyed this time. Really have. And, uh, and I ho- hope other people as well. I'm glad we got to spend the time. I'll listen to it again. Uh, so how do people continue the conversation? What are next steps for people? And, you know, we'll have the detailed links in the, in this, in the show notes. So the you know, sort of simple next steps for, for yeah. learning more or, or following you. Yeah. So that, of course, you can check out the book, The Business Owner's Dilemma, and that's going to, it's on Amazon. Um, some of you might have an interest in going deeper already and, mm-hmm. Through, if you go to uh, the website wiseglobalnetwork.com, this W-I-S-E, Global Network, um, you can sign up for an intro session and learn about, learn deeper about the program and the workshop program. Um, there's also an assessment, which is one of my favorite things to do. If you're wondering where you are, like, how well planned am I? Where am I on this life experience journey? Like, how, how do I compare with, with where maybe ideally I want to be? Do that assessment. And it just go to Wise Global Network. You'll see a button there. Take the assessment. Um, it takes about 15, 20 minutes to do. It's going to give you incredible clarity over where you are right now and give you an ability to measure like how you're doing. And that's the first step. I think you know they say all progress starts by telling the truth. I think the assessment kind of gives you that initial point of where you are. And then whether you're looking for direct guidance to say, I want someone to take me through this wealth integration system for entrepreneurs and like hit the easy button, there's a path for that. If you say, I want to learn more about this and I want to go through workshops as an entrepreneur and like get the insights and get the perspective and figure out how to work through this myself and have the space and time to think about it all, we've got a workshop program um, for, for entrepreneurs to actually get independent guidance. And this is all it, it completely independent of any money management or financial services. It's an education and coaching process. So long story short, go take the assessment, um, wiseglobalnetwork.com slash assessment and start there. Awesome, man. Man, I'm super grateful for the time, grateful for the wisdom, grateful for the uh, the effort and commitment to create a system that can be used by people, just not just your clients, and it's not just you, but just share it with the world. And so people can have access to it. That gift can be super powerful as we've seen with things like EOS and, and other things like that. So Thanks, um, I'm, I'm grateful for that. That's grateful. our time. Grateful for you. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. That's our time. And we will see you next time on the show called You're Doing It Wrong with me. This is You're Doing It Wrong with Mark Henderson Leary. For more episodes and to subscribe, go to leary.cc.